Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Amanda Howard with Amanda Howard Real Estate in Huntsville, Alabama. Last year, she closed 304 transactions with a total sales volume of $59 million. Her average sales price was $194,000, of which 67% were buyers and 33% were sellers. Plus, Amanda manages 150 rental properties, generating $112,000 per month in rents. She operates a team with 30 members, 10 buyer agents, 4 listing partners, 3 new construction agents, 3 inside sales agents, 2 listing coordinators, 2 closing coordinators, 3 property managers, 1 executive assistant, and 2 team leaders. Amanda Howard is the team leader of Amanda Howard Real Estate. She has been an agent for nine years. Amanda sold over 1,500 homes in her short career. In this call, Amanda talks about selling 43 homes her first year with two small children in tow, starting in a new market where she did not know anyone, building a team so she can take 10 vacations per year, drawing 950 new leads into her database each month, generating 43% of her business from her websites with no pay-per-click advertising, maximizing free SEO search engine optimization to pull traffic into her websites, her non-salesy follow-up scripts that build positive relationships, the expired listing campaign that accounted for 9% of her sales, TV and radio ads that bring in 25% of her business, Customer care reps, known as inside sales agents, that nurture and convert overflow leads. Starting a property management department to incubate future listings. Her buyer agent who will earn $160,000 this year. How she retains her best people year after year. Plus, team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Amanda. Thank you, Mike. Amanda, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Well, before I got into real estate, I was helping my husband with his IT companies that he was working with, and it just became a realization for me that I really don't like sitting behind a computer screen all day long and never dealing with people, or if I did, it was only over the phone. I like being face-to-face with people a lot more. I just didn't have that personality that he does, which, you know, he loves computers, loves systems. That was a key reason why he came along with me when I started a team. IT was my background. I just was never that great at it. (laughs) 
Why did you decide to get into real estate? I got into real estate because of the fact that I knew I really hated working on computers or behind the scenes in the IT industry. I was a more of a people person. I enjoyed uh, going into the office and talking to people. And so my husband is such a great supporter that when I, I told him, I'm just not, I don't feel like I belong here. I don't feel like I'm, I'm in my place. You know, I loved working with him, but I just didn't enjoy what I was doing. He said, well, you need to find your passion. Figure out what you want to do. Just take a little time and do that. So I was very fortunate to have such a supportive husband who then uh, pushed me to, to research my dreams. And in doing so, I thought back to a time when I was visiting some family members and my, my great aunt would, when I came to visit her, would take me to work with her, but I didn't remember her working. So I called her up and said, what was it that you actually were doing when I would come visit you? And she said, oh, honey, I sold real estate. <laughs> I said, well, that sounds interesting. And that was actually as silly as it is. That was my start of real estate. I said, well, I'm going to go get my license. So I got my license in Chicago, which was a an incredible opportunity for me to get started. I did not have the opportunity to really do a whole lot in Chicago because we were not there long enough. I, I had gotten my license and we had a baby and then we, we had to relocate a, to through a couple states as my husband was helping his family wrap up some, some family situations. But I was able to get my license in Chicago and go to some great classes in at NAR, the National Association of Realtors. It was just such an awesome opportunity. So all I did was really take classes. And then we came to Huntsville, and I was able to get started. <laughs> How long was it from the time you got your license till the time you actually started practicing in Huntsville? It was a, just over, it was about a year and three months. When you did actually get started and started running down the track of real estate, do you think that you had a fast start or a slow start? You know, when you're the person doing it, you're de- it's never where you want it to be. So I felt it was a slow start, but in looking back and having my eyes opened by several people, it really was a fast start. Because my very first year in real estate, I came here to Huntsville. My husband was not able to, to get a job in his industry, and we had a two-year-old and a two-month-old. So I had no option but to do whatever it took to make ends meet. And so that first year, there was no excuses. I didn't, I didn't know excuses. And, and it's one of those situations where I was very blessed for what I did not know because I didn't know that I should be making excuses. And I really did very, very well my first year. My husband joined me the second year to help me create systems. And because I was working nonstop, even with my kids in the car, I would just take them with me on appointments. And that's where we took off was the second year. Could you give us some numbers? Do you remember numbers like uh, how many closings you had that first full year or the second year? My first year by myself, and again, that was not knowing anybody because I was literally knocking on doors of anybody I saw for sale by owner or when I pulled them up and saw they expired, I drove over to their house. Uh, I sold 43 homes. That was just me by myself and with, well, I say by myself, but really my girls were with me at all times. So they helped me. <laughs> <laughs> and then... The second year, we jumped to 70, I was pulling my numbers, 74 homes, and that was, now I had a system. I had Travis with me, and he helped me create a system to start communicating with these people so I wouldn't lose, you know, I wanted repeat business that eventually did come around, 
but he helped me start creating those systems so I did not drive around as much. I was I was able to focus a little more on each client individually. Is Huntsville your hometown? Did you grow up in Huntsville? Oh, no. I moved here in 2004. You didn't know anybody. You really didn't know anybody when you moved there. No, I really did not know anybody. No, I was getting to know the street. <laughs> getting to know the street. <laughs> and that's why I needed to drive there. I really didn't know where they lived. <laughs> now, you had a really fast start. We get this question a lot. Ask these top folks how they got such a fast start. You, you start to mention that you were just kind of talking to everyone. You, were, you said you were knocking on doors, going out to for sale by owners and expireds. What was your secret for just producing at such a high level that first year? It was sheer persistence and that I knew I had to do what it takes. When I say I had no other option but to succeed, it was because the only other option would be failure. We'd have to go, we'd have to leave the state or go back home because we didn't realize we were moving to a, we didn't do enough research and we didn't realize that this was a military town and Travis was going to have to have security clearance on everything. That's why he couldn't get a job. When I say that you have no option but to to succeed and you have the drive and determination to do it, those people will succeed. You know you're not going to give up. I feel that the people who maybe do not have such a, a good start in real estate, it's because they've seen people who've given them excuses, who've said, well, this has been tough, so it may be tough for you to do this because it was really hard for me or this is a bad market. I never heard any of that because I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't know anyone. My broker that I started with said, great, here's your license. We don't offer desk space, so just go on at it. And so I never spoke to anyone. I only got out there and just did whatever it takes to succeed. And if people will put effort where they know they need to, I knew I had to get in front of people. I I knew from, uh, what is his name? He's an older, I, I did learn about Howard Brenton. And so I listened to some old Howard Britton tapes, and I that was great to always listen back to. But there was the Sweat Hogs. Do you remember the Sweat Hogs program? Sure, Floyd Wickman. Thank you, Floyd Wickman. I had also, um, I didn't have the money to go to his class, so I had borrowed some tapes from somebody in Chicago who gave them to me. They said, oh, these are old. I don't need these anymore. So they were, they were actually cassette tapes. And this is 2004. I mean, that took me a while to find something to play them in. But I listened to him, and he said, you have to have face-to-face appointments. If you do not have, you need to meet with at least 10 people face-to-face every day in order to succeed. So this was old information, but to me, it was brand new. So that's what I was doing. That's why I was getting in my car and driving to meet 10 people, because I didn't know where else to do it except to go to their house. When you said you were knocking doors, were you just knocking general doors, or was, did you mean the for sale by owners and expireds? For sale by owners and expireds. Now, I also did it. That was a good question. It made me think I didn't just go to a stranger's door unless I was holding an open house. And then I did also hear that, you know, do like a 777 plan. I've heard different people use different numbers. But to me, it was that that's what I did. So I would go seven to the left of the house I was holding open, seven to the right, and seven across the street where I'd invite them to the open house. So, again, I was just doing anything I could to have those face-to-face discussions every day. And you had this strong motivation, this have-to. You said that often you had your two girls in the car. I assume looking in the rearview mirror, that gave you a lot of motivation. Oh, it definitely did. And uh, what is great now 
is looking back and, and having these customers who still come back around and, you know, it's maybe at this point now their second time coming through purchasing a home, some third, and they go, I remember when Ashley was in the back seat, or I remember when Abigail was telling us what we could do with this extra attic space that we could turn it into a fourth bedroom. And we've got so many funny stories of just my little girls doing silly things with the customers, but they, they all said it was endearing and they saw such drive and determination, but yet I was still very professional. I was never, I didn't show up in slippers and a house dress. I was dressed professionally and I would always start with not to apologize for my children, but I hope you do not mind that I needed to bring my children. I didn't have somebody to help me with them today, but it's very important to me that you get in and see this home before I, we lose the opportunity to purchase it. And so they all would say, oh, absolutely, no problem. We really appreciate you taking the time to make it out here, even though you have your children. So it was a great mutual respect that I would always set up with my customers. And in turn, and my girls were taught to be very well-behaved, and they also learned what every single home style is and bedroom is called. <laughs> so they helped me sell it too. <laughs> and your girls have now such an incredible role model watching you from such a young age all the way up. Yes. And that's what is keeps driving me and pushing me is they, they've got such an incredible sense of one family because they see my husband and I work side by side. Our offices are literally next door to each other. They see us both every morning, every afternoon, and they come to the office and everybody here is an extended family to them. But then they also see that drive that women can do anything they want to. They're surprised there's not been a woman president yet, so they keep thinking that maybe them next. But they thought for for a year, they were like, Mommy, are you the boss of Huntsville? And then I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> well, let's, let me ask you this. Uh, how many years have you now been selling real estate? I consider that I started selling real estate in 2004 because that was when I was able to get the opportunity to, to stay and live someplace and start selling. So 2004 is when I got my license here in Huntsville, Alabama. So it's been nine years. Nine years? Yes. Last year, how many homes did you sell? We sold 304 homes. It was $59 million in sales volume. That was your best year so far? That was, yes. We've grown every single year, thank goodness. Well, let's back up a little minute and give a, a big picture view. Where is Huntsville, Alabama? It is in the north part of the state of Alabama. We are just 20 minutes from the Tennessee line. And what we are known for is we have the Redstone Arsenal right here in the heart of Huntsville and NASA is here in Huntsville. We have the highest per capita of rocket scientists in the, in the, the United States. So you have to be on your toes on those listing appointments. Yes. <laughs> it is a very, very smart town. <laughs> well, let's look out at your market. How big is Huntsville? Do you know what the population is? We have 350,000 people. Could you please describe your current real estate market? Our average price right now is 187000 And our trend is holding steady with a slight rise. Because we're a very unique marketplace, we're fairly protected. We are usually hit secondary. So, for example, when Virginia prices went down and California, the prices went down or Austin, Texas, they went down. 
It was those people that were relocating from those markets here that caused an effect for here. So that's why we were a secondary market that was hit. The Redstone Arsenal is a more of a retirement military base. So if somebody is leaving from active duty and they retire, they will typically go into some kind of contractual form of work as an engineer or for the DOD or for some kind of uh, defense agency is typical for our area. So because of that, they have vested a lot of, of years into their savings of their home. Well, when they have to sell and it's typically a large home, for example, Virginia, this was the one I saw the most often, they may be selling a $800,000 home in Virginia and now all of a sudden it's worth 600000 Well, then they come here to Huntsville and they weren't going to buy a $600,000 home. They would come here to Huntsville and say, oh my gosh, I could buy a, a $400,000 home that looks like an $800,000 home back in Virginia. I can only afford six hundred, dollars but now I'm going to drop it to three hundred. dollars <laughs> So we have a lot of people that are very smart with their money, which is fantastic. However, they would come and buy a little bit less, which made us all slow down a little bit. People would come in here with an interest to purchase, but they couldn't buy until their house would sell somewhere else. All that to say, it's a long answer to get around to, to understand that we had, we were affected from everyone else's market, which made us slow down. Our days on market go up. Our sales took a lot longer to happen, but our pricing and values did not change and alter that much. We stayed fairly steady there. How about your days on market today? Right now, our average days on market is 180 days. So that is not, not very long at all. If you were to look out at the market right now in Huntsville, what percentage of the properties are retail, traditional sales versus REO and short sales? I know when I checked last year, our REOs were only 9% of our sales. They were on a downward trend. I have not pulled them up to see what they are this year. However, you know, with this first half of the year, I have not seen as many happen with on the REO side. I am seeing a few more short sales because of the changing in, I guess they're calling the, the top-down sales with the bank. It's making things move a little quicker and easier for the agents. So our, our agents in our particular office are specialty centered and really focus on the typical residential resale or new construction. So now that they're making, the banks are making it easier and so that they, we know that we aren't going to be disappointing our clients and giving them a bad experience, we have been selling a few more short sales as of this first six months. Do you have a niche or a specialization in your market? We specialize in residential real estate is the way we explain it. When people come into our office, they see a very clear difference from our office than walking into any other office. And that is because each division within our office is a specialty. We have a buyer specialist division. We have a listing specialist division. We have a support team division. And we have a new construction division and then a property management division. And we all integrate and work together as a very, very close-knit team, which is very different. It creates a very cohesive and tight culture. There's no animosity. Everybody is coming from a sense of abundance, and everybody communicates very clearly and openly. And when a customer walks in, they can immediately see that, feel that, and they can talk to one person one day, and when they go to talk to that next division the next day, 
they very quickly see how well everybody integrates together and they don't have to repeat themselves and everybody's working in harmony to help that customer best receive whatever result they needed. So if they needed to buy a home, they know that they are very, very well taken care of. And the same difference if they need to sell a home in order to buy a home, they have three people working with them to ensure that everything is setting up perfectly for the unveiling of the staging of their home and that it's getting out there to the masses while keeping them updated. And on the other hand, another person is giving them the hand-holding experience they need to help them find that right next step for their next home. So you have a, a pretty large team. We're going to break out that team later, but this idea, this cohesiveness and all these departments working together, I assume you must have really good communication and systems in place to make sure that that information about the client or customer is being transferred back and forth. What type of systems do you have in place to make sure that the right hand knows what the left hand is doing? We have frequent meetings. We have specific meetings dealing around each department, and then we have a a meeting where we all come together as well. Then we have three systems that we use to manage our clients with or the process that's happening with our customers. It's Top Producer, Boomtown, and we use the Google Drive. So we call it the Drive. And so your husband, Travis, is uh, he's the IT guy. He probably helped you with a lot of those back-end systems and putting them in place. Is that correct? He does all of it. He is phenomenal. Yeah, that, that's a big asset. Let's talk about marketing and lead generation. You must be generating a lot of leads. Could you give us the top three to five ways that you generate leads and business? Well, our websites are our number one source for lead generating. We have a very large web presence based around our, our website, social media, newsletters, and so forth. Then our next largest would be um, television commercials. We're tied right now with our radio and our past client business. It just goes on from there. But those are really our, our main main sources. We still, as I told you, I really got my start with expireds and first sale by owners. I dropped the first sale by owners only because my plan was in person. That was My whole system was based on that face-to-face. With expireds, I found I didn't need to be face-to-face, so we've continued that. And we still generate 9% of our business from our expired plan. So once we start a system and we see it's working well, we we continue on with that system and just make minor tweaks to keep up with technology and in current times. Let's start breaking that down and looking at each one individually. You mentioned websites. You also seem to have a lot of stats. Do you know what percentage of your business is coming from websites? 43% of our business comes from websites. Let's break that down. When you say websites, what do you mean by that? Are you generating leads online? Are you, are you sending traffic to your website from offline? What do you mean when you say websites? Both of what you just said. The way I, I word it is I piggyback everything on every one of our advertising methods. We piggyback our website because we know our website is that good. If anybody goes in, looking at the NAR stats, we know... It is. I don't know the exact number now, but it was it was roughly 90, 93% of the buyers start their search online before they even contact an agent. So if we know how easy it is for them to jump online, whether it's on their iPhone, their iPad, just their computer, we need to have a strong web presence. So anything and everything we do, whether it's our television, our radio, our koozies, everything has our website on it. 
And so we do ask three questions deep to find out where was that actual source. If somebody says, I came to your website, we will say, that's fantastic. What made you look up our website? So we do ask extra deep questions, but it really comes down to that 43% of our people that end up purchasing a home have done some form of fashion that come through our website before they contacted our agent. Do you have a, a single website that you're sending everybody through? Our main website is amandahowardrealestate.com. We do have a few other websites that we test, but for the most part, after about a year of testing, we will funnel them to amandahowardrealestate.com. Is that a site that you developed yourself, or is it a site that you purchased from a, a web development company? Travis is constantly doing research of web companies, and that's why we do test other, other sites. But this one was developed by a website company, and that's why we have utilized it and used it the most for the last three years. That's been our, our top site. Do you remember the name of the company? That was Boomtown. Oh, that's a Boomtown site? Mm-hmm. That Boomtown site, for people that aren't familiar with it, it has kind of a front end and a back end. The front end is, is out there communicating with the public, and the back end is collecting all the data and kind of a database management system. Does that sound correct to you? That is correct. On the front end... What are you finding works the best? Are you capturing buyers or sellers and how? For the front end, it captures buyers and it really does not work to attract sellers yet. I'm sure they're working on that. But we have other sources that we are are doing to attract sellers. So other offshoots or other sites that we are doing that are attracting sellers. And then we get them to eventually funnel in to our Boomtown site because it's easier for us to maintain people there with our backend system. However, that Boomtown site itself just generates buyers, our buyer leads. Some buyers turn into sellers, and we train our agents strongly in asking those direct questions to, to get that. But most of our seller leads come from other offshoots of other sites that we test. How are you getting the person to the site? Are you putting an ad out somewhere? You mentioned it's an accompaniment to everything that you're advertising. Are you, I'm trying to figure out how these leads are getting in to the website? Is there a particular ad that's working really well? Are you doing a pay-per-click online? Are you, you, you're, I know you're doing a radio and TV. We'll talk about that in a minute. How are you bringing these people in? And what, what seems to be working? We do not do pay-per-click just because of the fact that we have so many leads right now, we can't answer them all. So we are just continuing to right now beef up our team. So for example, last Last year's sales was not with our 30-team member group we have currently today. That was last year with about half of that. We are really beefing up our team because we know we have that much business that we need to convert more of our client leads. And then once we have got a higher conversion of the leads we have coming in, because right now we're, we're averaging about 950 buyer leads a month. We just don't have enough people to manage all of that. So... As we beef up our team, then we will start opening up these other ideas like pay-per-click. We know it's going to work. We just don't do it because right now, honestly, I'm holding back on our leads. I have a lot more ideas that I would love to implement, but I'm not even planning to start that until we have enough team members to, to move forward with that. So what we are really doing to just generate the leads we are getting from our website is that we have a really high ranking because of our our unique content, I think they be, I believe Travis calls it organic content. I write a lot of articles. I'm featured in a lot of articles locally 
as well as nationally. If people want to call on a local expert, I'm always happy to volunteer. Over the years, I've always volunteered to help out wherever I can. And just like you, you know, you're you're great to listen to. I, I listen to other sites and then I let them know I'm available if they have any questions or want to talk to me. So because I've done that, it's created a lot of organic content out there in addition to what I'm writing as well for maybe our local paper or for other people. I want to write things for my own newsletter. I write that and post it onto my website, and that makes our rankings very nice and high. So if somebody is to Google Huntsville Real Estate or Huntsville Top Agent, it usually does pull us up in that, that front page. Then as well, our TV and radio, we do get some people just pick up the phone right away, but for the most part, it's it's just those, I call them Toma ads, top-of-mind advertisements. So we're there, we're in their head, and when they get home, they may say, you know what, it's Amanda Howard something. I'll just Google it. And so eventually they'll get there, and when we ask those deeper questions, they'll say, oh, yeah, I heard Sean Hannity was talking to, about you, or Glenn Beck was talking about you, or Dave Ramsey had mentioned you. They will mention all these people who have been talking about me, and but they went to the website. So some, we always end up drawing them back to that website. So it sounds like a, a lot of the draw is SEO, search engine optimization. You mentioned organic, organic searches. And that's just created a large draw over the years. And it's still ranking high in, in Google and other search engines. It sounds like that's the majority of the leads coming in, at least on the buyer side. Does that sound correct? That's very true. Are you doing anything Anything else with that website to promote that SEO? For instance, are you doing a, a special pages on neighborhoods or communities? We are actually just starting that. We started it about two months ago, so I'm sure it has helped with some of our, our SEO rankings, but I don't know, have enough data yet to say how well that's going to do. As I said, we've got a lot of ideas that we want to put in place, and we've been holding back because... We had more leads than we could even come close to handling. So now that we've been we've doubled the size of our team this year, we're starting to work on those other pieces to see what we, we can create. We're excited. We're excited. We're holding back, but we really have so much we want to do. Let's talk about the capturing of the lead once they come into the website. First of all, when they come in, are they landing on general pages or... I think they call them squeeze pages where they can opt in for things. Are they coming in to search for homes? How are they coming in? How, how is that funnel working where they're ending up turning into a lead? Those are all terms I don't know. I, I don't know if maybe that's something Travis hears. He's more of the techie guy. For me, in just the layman terms, they just come in because there's a house that looks good. The page that they are all going to is a picture of a house, and they just want to get more information it really doesn't get more basic than that. We're looking for buyers, and the buyers are coming in because they see a pretty picture of a house that they want to get more information on. And how are you going from them looking at the house to you having their contact information? There is a lot of draws to them wanting to create their own customized search and find out about homes maybe right before they come on the market or things that are they want to customize their search rather than using our local MLS as Valley MLS for the public. But that only lets them, it, it's very limited in what it will allow them to do for their search options. So ours has a, a better, easier, user-friendly search option 
account, or I guess is the best way to say it, that they can they can go in there, they can be more specific, and they can have a lot more fun creating their search for their their own home search. So if they come in, they can see a house. If they want to get either more detailed information on that house or see other homes, then they have an opportunity to register and continue. Right. Correct. They can, it's much more user-friendly. And as I said, I'm not one of these engineers, so I'm not one of the big the rocket scientist types. All I know is the basics. It's a pretty house, and they want to see it. I want to make it easy for them to see it. And the computers, uh, Travis has the websites, and, and he hires the right people that they make it just so attractive for these beautiful, bright engineers we have in our marketplace to just come in and go, this website is for me. I love it. And then they, they market as their favorite and they visit it often. And so then they can do their own searches by themselves for a while. And all the time that that's happening, the back end of Boomtown is tracking them in a database that you ha- as the salesperson have access to. Absolutely. And we have a lot of great scripting in our office that is not sales pushy centric. It is service centric. So we just check in on occasion to see if there's anything we can do to help adjust their search to ensure that they're receiving what they wanted. If we maybe know about a house that is about to come on the market, which we often do, that matches their criteria. We ask them would they like to continue to be alerted of homes before they come on the market. We just start giving them more information at their ready level. You know, everybody has different levels of being ready. So we just throw them a little bone every once in a while of, hey, this looks like it would be interesting to you just putting it out there. Hey, this looks like it would be interesting to you just putting it out there until we start having a communication where they're like, oh, yes, thank you. I love that. Please send me another one. Or, yeah, this looks great. How could I get more of this? And then we just start a relationship because this is a relationship business. People who just are the pushy sales, they're not going to last long. This is definitely a relationship business. Let's talk about that, building the relationship. You say you take a very soft approach, there's no hard sales, and yet you must be working to make this relationship with them. How much of that is happening automatically in the background from, say, Boomtown's drip emails, and how much is happening from you or your team making phone calls and actually contacting the leads? It is 100% our office contacting them and making the leads. And Boomtown helps us manage that. Boomtown has some great drip systems, and, and it's fantastic to use. And they make it easy. Well, it's just like Top Producer, which is a very basic system. I mean, most people know it and have used it. But there's even agents who think Top Producer is terrible. It's because maybe they're just using Top Producer's systems alone. They're not using it to the best of its potential, which would be you making a system because it's all customizable. You make it customized to what you want to have happen. Use it as your assistant, not using the assistant that they created on a very generic plan. It was to give you an idea. With Top Producer, everything we have is completely built and customized for us. In the same with Boomtown, all of our plans, we did start with theirs, of course, but then as we grew, we'd change, we'd edit, we'd deleted, we'd add things until the point where even my buyer agent team, they're just such an incredible group of people It's not even me saying this. I'm thinking that and we're working on it and I'm adjusting it because I want to help whenever I can. But it just came up in our our half-year retreat. We did a mid-year retreat 
and we were talking about what could we do to change the path that we're on to leap us to the success that we want in 2014. We need to really be focused on 2014 right now. So they said, you know what we need to do? We need to completely write a whole new plan just for our past clients that are on our buyer's side. There isn't anything right now in Boomtown. So that's just, that's just one more. They're constantly creating something that is just, we call it AHRE. It's just AHRE focused. So it's 100% our systems, but then also we contact every single person in our database. We do have 13,000 people right now in our database, roughly. That's 13,000, some odd number. And there's no humanly way one agent could contact that many people. So that's why we divided out no agent can have more than 100 people that they are maintaining. When you have 100 people, you can absolutely talk to all 100 people in a month. So every single person is touched in some form or fashion and spoken to every single month by every single agent who is maintaining that person. Then we have a group of customer care individuals. That's another division, but it's, they're really more of the support team. They're within our support team. And they do nothing but reach out to all the people that are not. They're not one of the top 100 for each agent, if that makes sense. So each agent has 100 people at the most. And then everyone else is touched by customer care. And we have three customer care people right now maintaining the rest of the, the group. Yeah, so my big question was, how are you following up with these leads? And you're starting to give us a little picture there, the outline of your system. One part of that system is that one of your buyer agents will contact them by phone once a month. They're going to do that to no more than 100 people. Anybody who's not in the hot list of the agents that are top 100, they're going to be contacted by a different group, your customer service group. And so at least everybody in the database gets contacted once a month. Is that correct? Correct. How does that conversation go with the contact? Is it is it by phone? Is it sometimes by email? Is it a text? How are you making those contacts and what are you saying? If we have a phone number, and that's really the ones we check, it, well, I check both email and phone number, but I want to see 100% contact rate by everyone in their database. So when we call by phone, it's, as simple as, have you found the home that you were looking for yet? It's a yes or no question. If they found the home, then great. Then we don't need to continue on with our communication with them and we move them. But if they have not yet found their home, we just find out what level of need are they in. Are they six months out? Are they a year out? Are they frustrated because they haven't been able to find anything and they haven't found the right person to help them yet? Then that's, you know, we're there to, own, to help them. So we can start to be more accommodating to whatever it is their needs are. So it really, it's all based around the customer. But the very first question is, did they find the home that they were looking for? And that opens up the conversation. Yes. And we hear every single kind of problem under the book. A lot of times you're being, you're there as a, a counselor or a support person until they can get there. But with the right support person in place, that's why they have our customer service. They're a great support group. They're there to support that customer until they can get to the level of being in one of the top 100 of our agents. What moves somebody into the top 100? They're ready to purchase a home. They're now qualified, able to purchase, or the need has risen enough to a strong point where maybe they were only checking out an area because a relocation wasn't going to be happening for a year. Now it's 
the relocation is going to happen in three months. Okay, now we're we're a hot fire. We need to find something. Or maybe they weren't qualified before. Their credit was hurt from a few years ago with something, and now they just pulled it again, and they've been getting credit counseling, and now we're ready to go. So you're nurturing them along. Absolutely. Well, of the 13,000 leads that you have, what percentage of those folks come in and they're ready to buy today? Oh, gosh. Well, it's the 13,000 is what we have in our database right now. We get about 950 a month. And of that 950 a month, usually only 1% is going to be ready to buy now. And so I assume that's part of your calling, your, your contacting, is you're trying to, number one, find where that 1% is, and number two, find out who's in, say, a next group of people that would be buying in the next, I think you mentioned six months. Is that the next qualification level that you have? We break it down into somebody who's ready to buy right now, so as soon as possible, as soon as we find that right spot. Somebody who's ready to buy in 30 to 60 days, 60 to 90, and then 90 plus. If they fell in one of those different categories, I assume that would change your frequency of contact. For instance, if right now you contact them all the time, what about 30 to 60 days? How often would you talk to them? 30 to 60 is twice a month. It's every other week. And that usually only lasts about a month. Because usually if it's 30 to 60 and you're, you're every other week, and they, but they have some kind of communication that's getting to them, usually it's the home searches, that usually only, it doesn't take very long before they're it's constant communication. If they're in less than 30 days, we speak to them every single day. You mentioned home searches. How often are they receiving the home searches? That These are the electronic emails? It depends on their search, but typically they're sent something every day. We have a lot of properties that are coming in and onto the market in our marketplace. So they're receiving a lot of contact from you, much of it through the email, and then at least uh, two calls a month, a call every two weeks, if they're in that 30 to 60 category. Yes. And then our agent sends them an email of just a touching base once a week as well. So it could be something about a market report, or maybe it's when I do my newsletter. It's just something that's, a, that's more of a touchy feeling, getting to know them. How about the 60 to 90 category? How often would you contact them? Our 60 to 90 is once a month. And how about the 90 day plus? That's going to be as often as is possible with our customer service people. They, the goal is once a month, but at this point, with as many as we have, it's more like at once every other month. We can check the frequency of their visitations to the site. If we see somebody is, it's been 45 days since we contacted them, but all of a sudden they're on the site again, then we're going to call them right away. So that, thankfully, can be a little more customizable. So I went a little bit into follow-up. Let's go back into the lead generation. You said TV commercials are working really well for you. What percentage of your business is coming in through television? We have, I'm pulling up my report right now, 15% is coming from television. So it is quite a bit. We have a lot of, of people that, for some reason, our television just pulls better than our radio. We were very surprised by that. How long have you been doing the television? It's going to be two years now. Why did you decide to go into television advertising? I was just ready for that next level. Matt Wagner, who helps me with my radio and television since the beginning, my radio since the beginning, he'd been doing TV for a while for a lot of people. 
and I was doing very well with the radio and I decided it was, I was at that point in time where I was ready to up some of my seller leads and that's where we heard more seller leads come from was our radio. And I said, well, I'll go ahead and test it out. I'm, I'm game to test this for three months and we'll see. And Matt knows me well enough. He said, okay, well, that should be plenty of time. He knows that, you know, after three months, we really should have a good reading. Well, I was blown away. The very first month of, of television, we had 12 listing leads. And so that just, I was sold from then on. Because <laughs> we were not expecting to see a return for three. I really wasn't expecting to see a return until that third month. I expected maybe one, maybe two, not having that many. So we were, we've been very, very happy with it. We receive easily 150 leads at least a year for seller leads. Because, of course, some months are, are smaller than others. But for the most part, we stay pretty steady. We don't typically go below 10 leads a month, our TV commercials. It's usually more like 15 per month, though. How many stations are you advertising on? We are only on one television station, actually. That's it. What station is that? That is our Channel 19 local news station. That's it. I was going to say only during our local news but I did go ahead and start testing it out this quarter of some nighttime spots as well for, you know, afternoon t- or evening television shows that looks to be pulling even better for us. The last two months have really, really kicked up. I didn't, I didn't believe it. <laughs> I said, I don't want to leave the morning news. I mean, obviously everybody TVOs or records their commercials. I do. I record my shows so I can fast forward through the commercials. I don't have time for that. And we've actually been pulling um, even more leads in since we've, we've split it now between the morning news and some of the afternoon shows. I have a feeling that that does come to play with a lot of our radio. People hear our voice. They know we're involved with the community. So they may be hearing about us from different sources. And now they see us on television. It just gives that, that all-around good feeling of, oh, now I can put a face with a voice and with a name I keep hearing, and it's now coming into first, people are picking up the phone and calling, which is fantastic. We're getting direct call-ins that leads from that. What's the frequency of the ad? How many times are you putting it on either per day or per month? That I don't know. I would actually have to check and see on that. And I do the commercials, but I don't maintain it. Travis typically does that. I can tell you it's not that often. I want to say it's only twice a morning and probably twice an evening. I thought we only went four times a week, if my memory serves. Four times per day or four times per week? Per week. They're not cheap. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was going to be my next question. What kind of pricing are you looking for for A, production, and B, for the putting it out there, the spots? The... Amount we spend together on radio and television is about between ten and twelve thousand a month, and I have it lumped together in one pricing category on my P and L. So that's why we, of course, are very watchful over where each individual lead comes from, because on the radio we are on multiple stations, or well, a couple stations, but with multiple people with spots that we run. And then, like I said, on the television, we're only on one station so that we can better track it. How are you tracking the success of it? Do you have either a special, unique phone number for them to call or a unique website you're sending them to? 
it is just the conversation. When they call in and they want to set the appointment, we find out, you know, of course we're excited that they have, they've called us and want the appointment, but we say, how is it that you heard about us? Many people will just say everywhere or my friend told me or whatever it was, but they usually they'll just say off the radio. So then we dial it down a little bit more and say, okay, well, that's fantastic. You know, we're on a couple places on the radio. Where was it that you heard about us? And then they may say, well, we heard about you on 103.4. Okay, great. Well, we're actually on Dan and Dingo, Will Anderson, and John Boy and Billy on 103.4. Which one were you listening to? Which one's your favorite? And then so that way we can, we have to ask a couple questions deep, but eventually we can pinpoint exactly where they came from. And I made up that station because I don't know that station. I can't remember. <laughs> <I picked> the numbers. <laughs> um, so don't put that as that's not the station. But it, we are advertising with uh, Will Anderson, John Boy Billy, Rick and Bubba. We we test different people, Sean Hannity, Glenn Beck, and then we'll watch them and see who are people listening to and should we continue on with that. If we see, you know, at one on one year we may have. 15 leads from one guy, but then 10 leads from another and four from another, we'll look at that, look at the P&L and say, "Mm, okay, so we're going to have to get rid of this guy at four because he's just not worth it. Or we'll look at the guy with nine and say, well, it's the middle of the bunch, but he's the cheapest. So our value is there when we look at how many we actually closed. It may have only cost us $100 per closing rather than someone else. If it costs us 1000 a closing, we're most likely going to get rid of it. If it's okay with you, I'd like to play the audio from the TV ad, and you can kind of tell us what's going on in there. First of all, do you write the scripts for all of these ads? Matt writes our original scripts, and then he sends them to me, and I edit them a little bit to sound more like me or to flow the way I feel they should flow. To personalize them, sure. Yeah. And then you are the one that's actually acting or speaking in the ads. Is that correct? I don't act. I only speak. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is me. (laughs) Very good. Very good. Well, well, let's do this. Let's listen to the audio of the TV ad and, and just give everybody a flavor of what's there. I love this home, but what if we have to relocate? Hi, I'm Amanda Howard, and at my company, we do things differently. If you hire us to help you buy a home, and within 12 months, you get relocated or you decide you don't like your home, I'll sell it for free. Also, if you need to sell your home to buy your next home, I can guarantee to sell your home at a price and deadline we agree to, or I'll buy it. Selling your home doesn't have to be stressful. Call me today and start packing tomorrow. That's like a 30-second spot? Yes. That's one of our old guys. I remember him. He was from about a year and a half, two years ago. I like to use past clients in our commercials as well. So that was a past client. Yes, and we've we've even redone that commercial again because that is a good one. It's it's true, it's to the point and and I like but I like mixing it up cuz people, you know, if they see the commercial, you want to see different people. The the basis around that commercial was to help when we do have we don't have as many young military people here as I said, it's it's more of a retirement community for military. But when we do, because we do have a high engineer area, in general, where we have other engineer firms, not just military, they do get relocated. Say they're going from Boeing here, they may get transferred to another location. We wanted to take away that fear from them of 
purchasing that if they purchase the house right now and they get transferred in a year, we will not charge them a listing side commission to help them with that move if they purchased it from us. And then they allow us to place them with our agent friend where they're relocating to because we have such a strong connection all across the country. And then, of course, the secondary tagline was then if they want to sell a home and we're not able to sell it in 120 days, that we'll purchase the home. That works very well for us as well. It's taking that risk away from the client. And again, it works great for some families, for others. It's what draws them in, but because we have different options of plans, once they come in and see our multiple options, they go, oh, okay, well, this may not be the right option for me, but this one suits me perfectly. We like people having, I mean, I like having options. Don't you like having options? Absolutely. Our clients like having options. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Sounds like you had two quick offers there. One was this idea of you'll sell their home for free in the first year if they get relocated. How often does that happen? Not very often. We've probably only had that happen twice in the three and a half years that we have been open as an independent company. And I never had it happen before I, I, because I was too new here and I wouldn't have had that, that many buyers. And we've really started our stronger advertisements since we in, went independent three and a half years ago. So it's only happened twice since then. And, and I was very happy to do it. They're great military people and they deserve our support for all their service that they do for us. You also have a guaranteed sell program that you mentioned. Uh, How often have you had to purchase someone's home to exercise that guaranteed sell? We've only had to do that twice as well, but we have guaranteed, oh, I don't even know how many, a, a couple dozen homes. And we've sold them all except for two. And one, when I purchased it, I was able to sell it within a week, which was fantastic for me. And it was fantastic for the homeowner. So much so that I actually went back to the homeowner and said, are you sure you're okay with me selling this? Because it's a good profit. I'm happy to do it. And they said, Amanda, we are so thankful that we could just move on stress-free. Go at it. God bless you, whatever it takes. (laughs) Um, So it's it's a great program. I'm, I am sure and confident in my sales abilities and my marketing and the pricing of the home that I know we can sell it. And so with these two that didn't, one, like I said, I sold it again within the week. So it, it was no problem. The second one, I still hold as my best rental. I am so, I love that house also. And that's my plan initially is typically just, I, want, I need to build up my investment portfolio. So I'll keep it as a rental. And it's one of my favorites. I get great tenants for that house. You're the non-actress actress in the television <laughs> spot. <laughs> how right. many takes How many takes does it normally take? How many shots? How many times do you have to, to go out there and perform for it to happen? How long are you usually there to get the right, the right thing on tape? It does not take very long at all because, well, one, probably because of my personality, I don't like to do retakes. So I'm like, uh, that was good. We're taking it. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
the only time we have to do retakes is if I get too silly and start laughing at somebody or I've actually tripped while I'm walking across something. Um, we have to do a retake. <laughs> like I said, we have a lot of fun with it. So they're normally pretty quick. Yeah, it's very fast. And I love the crew that they send over. I've been working with them since the beginning, so for two years, and I just did not... I'm a little shy, but not too, too shy. So I just get right out there and get it done and, and move on to the next thing. So they all said... Gosh, you make this really easy. It's really fast. How often do you revise the ad? I did it a lot in the first year. The first year, I probably did three different shoots. I did one at the beginning of the year, one in the middle of summer, and one in late fall so that I could get different wardrobes and different settings. This past year, I only did one because now I built up a pipeline, I guess, of commercials, and I watch them every month, and when I see a month where I have 17 leads, that's a, that's a hot commercial. I'm going to keep that commercial. If I see the next month I only pull four leads, I just tell them to trash that commercial. I never want to see it again. <laughs> so I've now saved up quite a few really good ones, and we just rotate those. So I probably will only do, I'll probably do a new set next year just in case I decide to cut my hair or something. You said about 150 leads come in per year. How many of those leads on television, how many of those leads turn into listings? I was talking to Travis that we need to, to get a system in place to track our ones that convert into actual listings that can then convert into actual sales. I don't have that number for you. I do have a, an assumption because I do track my listing partners so closely and I watch every single lead on a weekly basis with them. I can say that roughly 80% of those leads that we we list, and then of that 80%, we probably sell, well, it'd be about 70% of what we actually do list are able to close. But I need to get a better breakdown on that number. We, we are very meticulous on, or he is very meticulous on watching and tracking everywhere, every source of our leads come in, where we spend our money, and then we're very particular on tracking the conversion of each individual agent with the leads they have in their hands, but we've not connected it, but it should be an easy thing. That, that's our next step that we're working on is a, a graph to connect those two now together. Let's go into the radio ads. You mentioned that you're on multiple stations now. How many stations are you on? We're on three different stations. What type of stations are those? Are those talk? Are they music? What kind of stations? They are all talk, all talk. We have tested a music station in the past, but it did not pull as well for us. How did you pick these talk stations? I trusted Matt's judgment. He pulled the numbers, and uh, he was an, an outside coach that advised us on, this is his specialty as radio and television. He advised us on what was the top ranking and top pulling placement where we should look. How long have you been doing radio ads? I have been doing radio ads for at least five years. It could be six. I think it's more like six years now. So you've got a, a lot of experience with these. Are they also 30-second spots? We've done 30 seconds and we've done 60 seconds. So we do have a mix. Most of them are 30. That's what they prefer is a 30-second spot. Do you know what your frequency is on the radio ads, how often they're going out, and what time of day they're playing? What I like to focus on is really the talent, the person who's there. We, I'm, I know we go in filler spots because people will tell me that they heard me on such and such a show or at such and such a time, and I tell them, 
well, that's odd because I don't advertise there. Of course, I don't tell them that. I'm thinking that. But I I know it's because I treat my station well. I treat them with respect, and I do added things to bring value to them. I, I feel any any vendor relationship should be mutually beneficial besides just paying and receiving. So I treat them well, and in turn, I believe that is probably why they give me so many extra things. So there is time to time where I'll hear I get a lead or somebody heard me at a time that I'm not actually not paying for. They're using me as filler. But the shows I, I play on or I advertise on, it depends on the show. So, for example, let's see, Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, I'm on their show twice a week. And then John Boy and Billy, I'm on their show twice a week. But Will Anderson, he is actually a friend of mine. And he's, he's not really through Matt, who's my advisor on this. He, I only advertise because he's a local guy who has become a friend over my time on the radio. So I don't have a number on him. He talks about me constantly, and that is priceless. He's worth more money than I give him because he not only advertises me when I'm I'm paying for it, which I don't remember what that is. I think it's probably four times a week, but he has me come on a show as much as I'm willing to do so, which is usually only once a month where I'll stay on the show with him for an hour and help him co-host the show and make fun of him, which is a lot of fun. Or if, if he needs filler, he'll use me. Or if there's some special promotion I'm running, he'll throw that in there. So he just does a lot of extras for me. And I feel that in turn, a lot of the people I work with, a lot of the vendors I work with, I, I just really admire. And they give me a lot of extra things as well in turn for the mutual admiration and, and how we treat each other. The talk radio, what are they talking about? Is this political stations? Are they sports stations? What are they talking about? Well, John Boy Millie is more of local flavor, southern flavor. They'll talk about They'll talk about sports, they talk about fishing, they talk about golf, they'll talk about politics. To be honest, I don't listen to the show. <laughs> um, I'm not a, a radio person. I, uh, it's a one, again, one of those things that I was thinking wouldn't work, and I'm just thrilled to death that I was wrong. With Will, he is 100% talk, political talk, and that's all he does. And then what was the other one that I had mentioned? Uh, Rick and Bubba. They started as Southern Flair and conversation, but really I think they, the majority, I would consider them more politics now, though they don't advertise themselves in that manner. Do you work with Sean Hennessy? Uh, Sean Hannity is originally from Huntsville. He got his start as a local radio personality in Huntsville, Alabama. So I was with Sean. I still love Sean and still um, advertise with him time to time. I just don't do it on a regular basis because it does did not pull as well for me. It was one of those where I looked at the dollars versus leads come in that came in, and it was not worth it for me to continue on. But great guy, and then I've got other friends in other marketplaces that he's absolutely killing it for them. What percentage of your business comes in from radio advertising? Did you have that broken out? I do. We have 10% of our business comes from radio. I think I have a, a radio clip, although I don't recall which one it is. Would it be okay if we played that in and you can comment on it? Sure. Yeah, let's take a listen. 
do you need to sell your home? Hey, Huntsville, it's your good friend Sean Hannity here to tell you about a real estate agent right here in Huntsville. Now, Amanda Howard is the owner of Amanda Howard Real Estate. Now, Amanda's system for attracting buyers, creating demand, and selling homes for top dollar is so effective that she can guarantee to sell your home at an agreed price and deadline, or guess what? She'll buy it. Now, proof is in the sales. While the average agent in Huntsville sells three homes a year to just a handful of buyers, Amanda attracts hundreds of buyers monthly and on average sells a home every working day of the week. Now, that creates demand and helps your home sell fast and for the most money. Call the realtor that the Wall Street Journal ranks number one in the state of Alabama. And that's Amanda Howard and her team at 256-799-9000. That's 256-799-9000 or online, amandahowardrealestate.com. That ad that we had was with Sean, but you mentioned earlier it it wasn't quite panning out. Do you know why it didn't work? Have you ever pinpointed what the issue was so somebody could come behind you and go, well, I should change this? I don't know. that. It's got to be something local. I don't know if locally their feelings are hurt that he left, or I don't know what it is, because it's a great, I mean, you heard it. It's a great ad. He is a uh, just... He just, he's a great guy. I can't say enough good things about him. And I know how well he is pulling for other friends of mine in other marketplaces. So that's why it's, it had to have been just that it was the local perception or maybe people really listen to a lot more. They want to know it's a good hometown boy. And, uh, and they're listening to these John Boy and Billy and Rick and Bubba's and Will Anderson. They're, they're staying local. I really couldn't tell you because then uh, then there's the disagreement of Dave Ramsey. You know, I hear people listening to Dave Ramsey. Of course, the people who listen to Dave Ramsey also are the same ones that are telling me Rick and Bubba really crack them up and they'll only listen to the first half of Dave and then they'll flip over to him. So it just comes down to different people, have different personalities. And as I said, we do have quite a different group of people. We have a high engineer area. They really like facts and figures. Anything that can give them the more facts and figures, the better. Or on the opposing end, they just like to somebody make them laugh. <laughs> to maybe take their mind off all those facts and figures. So Hannity is a, a great, serious, giving them the facts type of individual, but it's not really the facts and figures that we really are looking at here in the Huntsville marketplace. So maybe it's just that the, the talk interest points were not there. You mentioned that your expired program is still doing really well. It's bringing in about 9% of your business. What are you doing on your expired marketing program? Consistent communication, which is, for some reason, baffling people left and right. They just keep calling in going, I cannot believe you are so tenacious with your communication. We are really impressed by that. and We want you to come list our house. So we tell them, okay, we will be right there. Tell us, what are you doing specifically? Are you, are you making a certain number of contacts? Are you are doing all by phone? Are you doing some by mail? What exactly happens? A, a listing comes up today, it's expired. What are the steps that happen after that? We make 16 contacts and then we leave them alone. If they do not return our call, return our inquiry, return our letters, anything, if they do not communicate back with us after 16 contacts, then we will leave them alone and assume that they have fallen off the planet. But for the most part, they usually do. They respond back and they may tell us that, you know, our 
we were getting transferred and we decided not to sell, but we really appreciate your communication. And then that's great. We at least left them with a good impression that we do communicate often and frequently. Others, they'll call and say, will you leave me alone? You guys just do not stop calling and emailing and, and writing. And we say, oh, we are so sorry. We thought you would like somebody who is persistent, but we'll stop that. And then they usually do laugh and say, okay, well, actually, if I was to hire an agent, I do want somebody like that, so we'll go with you. Or then other people just say, hey, come sign me up. So it's it just really comes down to we are consistent. We are very, very consistent. Could you give us the schedule for the contacts, what the frequency is, and what you're doing? For instance, what happens on day one? We send them a letter. And then it's consistent from the time that we start our plan. It's once a week, once a week communication. So it's really not that often. And are you mixing in a combination of then letters and calls? Yes. Yes, we are. And we hope that we will stop that halfway through and not have to go all the way to 16, but we will. So it usually goes out about eight weeks. Yes. Yeah, well, it'll go out 16 weeks, but we typically don't have to go past seven before we have a response of some sort. Very good. So when you call up and they don't answer, do you leave a voicemail? Yes. What kind of conversation do you try to start when they do talk? What's that script look like? We saw that their home was taken off of the market and we wanted to find out uh, because it was such a beautiful home. Because we only, and we are picking and choosing, so we are not lying. It really is a beautiful home. We won't do that to something that's a, it's a horrible shack. But we say, because you're, it is such a beautiful home, we just wondered, are you still intending to sell? And maybe we're just taking a little break? Or did you decide not to move any longer? And that's a nicer, softer response than, why'd your home not sell? It's beautiful. Are you going to, to continue on and you're taking a break? It's giving them the opportunity to say, yes, I am choosing to take a break. Or to say, um, yeah, we decided we do want to stay. We, we love it here. And it just it starts that conversation. All it is, is is asking, being real with people and starting a communication that makes people feel comfortable rather than on the defense. And what I see is a lot of the communications that agents start with people when it's selling is they're a little too aggressive. So they just, for homeowners are on the defense because they feel they're either going to hard sell them or they're going to lie to them. And we never want to do either one of those things. So we just want to start out of curiosity and see what the situation is that they're in and whether we need to continue to communicate with them and if we can help them. You mentioned that you have a property management division. I'd like to ask a couple questions about that. How many units do you have under management? We are now at 150 residential rentals and about... Well, between 1,500 and 2,000 HOA management groups. I'm sorry, say that very last part again, the HOA groups? I, I didn't quite get that. It's between 1,500 and 2,000 units of HOA units that we're ma- managing. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Very good. So you're managing individual units as well as homeowners associations? Yes. Our residential rentals are at 150. That's, uh, you know, if somebody has an individual home or townhouse that we're managing. Usually it's homes, individual residential homes in our area. For our HOAs, it's tight subdivisions that have either homes or townhomes. But again, the majority of our real estate in Huntsville is residential homes. We don't 
we don't have a whole lot of condos or townhouses here. That's just not our geographic interest, I guess, or planning for our development. On the management of the individual homes, the 150 properties, do you know what your gross rent is that comes in each month? I know our income monthly is 112296 and it's been that consistent this past month. And it's grown every month because it's still fairly new for us. It's year and a half to two years now since we've, last year was our first full year and we had started, I guess, a couple months into the year previous and, and now we've been in this almost two years. So we're still learning and still growing. Amanda, could you tell us a, a little bit about your fee structure for the property management business? Our fees for property management is 10% of the, the monthly rent is what it is our fee to manage. And then half of our first month's rent is typically what we ask for a marketing fee. And that's what we advertise, how we advertise that property out to other agents or to the public. So when the tenant moves in, you're, you're getting half of the first month's rent, and then you receive 10% of the monthly rent managing the property each month. Correct. Correct. Why did you decide to go into property management? I felt it was just something we needed to do out of necessity because of the, the way the market had shifted. We had a lot of properties that really were taking longer to sell than it was for somebody to relocate out of here which made it very difficult for them to make that move. But if they could get a tenant into their property and we were managing it for them, they could go on with that move without the stress of a, of a mortgage burdening them back here. And so in doing that, and I had started advising people on how to expand their real estate portfolio, as I saw that was also becoming a concern. We have people that are very financially wise in our area but it didn't change the fact that maybe they didn't have as much equity or they purchased their home in 2006, 2007, and all of a sudden they're relocating. And it wasn't something that they purchased with us. It wasn't under my guarantee. They just, they needed to sell. So, and it was taking too long. So I started this because of them. I wanted to, again, just keep helping our clients any way I could. And I advised them for so long on how to expand their real estate portfolio, and and it was a smart financial investment for them to put renters into it and hold on to that and then maybe start purchasing other rental properties. They then said, well, Amanda, we've gone out and we've been using these other property management firms, and we just don't like them. Their service is terrible. We don't feel that they're taking care of our properties. They're not screening the tenants, and so we're not going to continue to do this. And I... So then I ha- I, that's when it became something I had to do. I went, oh, crap. Well, then if there's a need, let's go ahead and t- take care of that. So that's how we started Amanda Howard Property Management. And it was started only for our clients. It was only internal. So if a, a listing couldn't sell, they would go into property management. Or somebody would say, I need to. It doesn't matter which happens. If I sell first or rent first, they would go to property management. It was really nice that it was an option because, again, I said I like options. I think other people like options. People love the option. So that's how we got our start. And for the first, really, nine months of giving birth to this Amanda Howard Real Estate Property Management Real Estate Division, it was an incubator for our current clients. And then as word gets out and people start hearing about it and hearing that we are giving good service and that they can start moving their investment properties over to us from other property management divisions that we're not helping them, 
that's how we started growing slowly. So we still have not yet quite advertised publicly our property management division, but in the last couple of months, we've just started to, and that's when we, as soon as we advertised it, we had an HOA group come to us two months ago. So I think that's going to be another thing that is, we have a lot to come. We have more things about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do a follow-up on that HOA manager. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. The property management for the, the 150 units now, just a quick question. Is it breaking a profit yet? Or is it more just a service you're doing on the side to help incubate future listings? Yes, it is turning a profit. That's a great question because I was starting to worry about that a few months ago and, and I had Travis and the prop, our property manager sit down and explain some things to me. And I will do my best to explain them to you, but my property manager is fantastic and he really runs this and gives me updates on a weekly basis. But we needed 40 properties to cover expenses. That was our turning point. Everybody's going to be have something a little different, but because of the expenses that I not really insisted on, but I really felt was to run it properly in my mind for me to give my AHRE stamp of approval, it was costing us 40 properties. So that was our break-even point. So now that we're over, well over 40 properties, now we are profitable. Let's talk about your team. Could you give us a general outline of who the players are on your team? We have a group of buyer specialists. We currently have... 10 buyer special, as I said, we've been hiring, <laughs> so that's why I have to, to picture the seats. We have 10 buyer specialists now. Then we have a listing partner group, which is just the same as just a buyer specialist, they're listing specialists, but for the public to understand that they are actually a partner with me, that's why we call them partners. So listing partners, we have four of them now, and then we have our support team. With our support team, we have two in our listing department. I have my executive assistant. I have two in my closing department. I have three in my property management division and three customer service reps. So that's my entire staff or support team. But they, of course, have their own individuals that groups they manage. And I call candy individuals managing a group when it's just me. But I, sometimes I'm sure I feel like a group for her. And then there's Travis and myself, who are the CEO and partners of, who run Amanda, Amanda Howard Real Estate and Amanda Howard Property Management. And then we have three in our new construction division. Let's talk about each of those departments. First of all, let's go all the way to the top. I'm curious, you and Travis you are running the company together. Are you both owners in the actual company itself? We are. I am 51% ownership, so I maintain that decision-making side at point. <laughs> but we have a great agreement because of, well, we have a coach, uh, Bob Corcoran, and I think I've shared that with you before. And Bob has been coaching me for five years now. And that was something that really changed our business and the direction we took because we knew we liked working together, but just like any other husband-wife team, it's uh, very stressful at times or there's the fight for control over who's right and who's wrong. And sometimes you get nowhere. In fact, Candy would call us mom and dad sometimes because, oh God, mom and dad's fighting. Everybody wants to lock us in a room and we were not allowed out until we come out hugging. So 
he came in and looked at it as 48, 48, and he had two. And that's the way he laid it out for ground rules and said, if you two cannot come to a decision and understand that Amanda is going to maintain majority decision-making on the visionary growth of the company and marketing and sales, then Travis has the majority rule over the systems, our accounting, and uh, which does control marketing, I found out later. Got the short end on that one. And for our staff, really, he's the core. He's, he is our managing broker, so he controls all of that. And then Bobby said, if you ever do, you know, you have your discussions and understand one of you is always the one that weighs heaviest in, in that, those topics. But if you get to a point where you're ever just headbutting and not getting anywhere, then I get a 2% say. So it now drops from 51-49% to 48-48, and he gets to come in with his, uh, I guess that would be 4% say so. <laughs> so that worked really well for us because we did then start to see, well, first off, Travis didn't like going to Bob for anything, which was hilarious back when we started because he said, Bob always sides with you. <laughs> and usually it was because the things we didn't agree on was something that was with vision and growth of a company or sales sided, which was my division. That's what I know. It's what I do. It's my company. I really started this. And Travis is just fantastic at the systems, but he doesn't understand at that t- point in time earlier on. He didn't understand what we did. Now he certainly does. And so now we just now we've grown together so much and we don't have to call on Bob as much because we understand and respect those boundaries and who has that knowledge and experience there. So it works wonderfully for us. And also now he talks to Bob a lot more than I do even. (laughs) Now they're best friends. They talk all the time. (laughs) I thought you were going to say the 51% was in your name, not only for these decision-making purposes, but for potential, let's say, government contracts where you would have a a woman-owned business. Was that one of the reasons and has it ever come up? That was an underlying reason as well. One, it's, I'm a little bit controlling. I did start this. I did. It is my name on the building. (laughs) So, um, but yes, of of course, that was something that we did think about and look for, you know, thought, well, in the future, if something is to come up, women majority owned companies are looked at differently. So it's, it's best that we keep it that way. Amanda, You've got all these people running around. I've got a pretty good understanding of buyer specialist listing partners. I think I understand. I saw mentioned the inside sales agents. What is that? Those are the customer service specialists that I had spoken about previous where I had three of them. Those are in our office. We call them inside sales because they're working inside our office to produce sales. So ISAs or inside sales, that's becoming, I think, an in vogue term in the real estate industry. But really what they are is is customer service people. If they were to call a customer and say, hi, my name is Carl. I'm an ISA with Amanda Howard Real Estate. Or even if they say, he says, I'm an inside salesperson with Amanda Howard Real Estate, they're going to say, what are you? I don't want to talk to you. Uh, So that's why customer service is a much more comfortable word. And that really truly defines what they do is they're building a, a relationship with that customer Set us up with the service that we can offer, whether it's leave them alone or it's help them find a house or help them sell their house. They're seeking out how they can best service our customers. 
And so I'm going to talk from an operational side, just so everybody out there kind of has an idea who we're talking about. These ISAs, are these licensed agents? We do have ours licensed. Each state is different. And for Alabama law, anything that an unlicensed assistant can do is the same thing our ISAs could do. So they could call our clients that have inquired within our database. They can answer direct questions that they're asked. They can't give a pen, you know, things I should say, they can answer direct questions that are asked of information that is public. So if they say, I see you have a house at 123 Sunshine Street for sale. How much is that? We can say that house is priced at $350,000 because that's what is publicly displayed. But if somebody says, well, what's your opinion on what I should offer on that house? Then they have to turn it over to a licensed person. They cannot offer any opinions. So to avoid that gray line that sometimes people can start dancing close to, we just went ahead and ensured that all of our ISAs are licensed. So that to say, you can have unlicensed ISAs, and I know several who are not licensed. We just chose to go the, the licensed route for in our office. As you mentioned, it's becoming something that's uh, happening more and more, that people are adding inside sales agents to their teams. And then when that's happening, because it's still new, people are still grappling with what do they do and how do you pay them? I think we've talked about what they do. They're doing this follow-up in the calls and they're warming up these prospects before they go out to a buyer specialist or a, a listing partner. So I guess the next question is, how are you compensating them? For us, we are giving ours 20000 a year base and then 7% of the sale when it closes for the appointment that they set. And that's working very well as a good start. Each person, as they increase their their time with us and their value to us as a team, you know, they're able to set more appointments, set better qualified appointments. Then they can grow with us and we'll start looking and adjusting that. There's always opportunity for growth in our company is the way I always explain it to everyone on the team. But our ISAs, we have two that have been with us for over a year now, and they both are doing really, really well with this structure, this pay structure. We have one that's new, and we'll see how she transcends and how she she grows. But so far, we seem very happy with it, and they seem very happy with it. This is a full-time job? Yes, it is a full-time job. 40 hours a week. Are they independent contractors or employees? They're employees. Because they are salary with bonus, they are employees. Could you tell us how you're compensating your buyer specialists and your listing partners? Our buyer specialists are on a graduated split, and they are anywhere from starting at that 35% mark all the way up to 50%. And it's it's much more entailed, uh, and it's based off of their coaching needs, and they all understand it and appreciate it. They're all very happy with those splits because they get a lot from us. We, we do offer a lot of training, coaching, and assisting to each one of our buyer specialists. And then that goes the same with our listing partners. That is 35 to 45% based off of how many they're carrying and how much support they need. Because keeping in mind, we're bringing them all their leads, especially like our listing partners. They're not even prospecting. They're not, this is incoming calls to them. It's people that I've heard some people use the term in, in other offices of come list me leads. It's certainly not a come list me lead uh, type of thing if that's actually a registered trademark item, but they are just that easy. It's They're calling and saying, come on over. I want you to list my house. Okay, great. Or 
hey, I'd like to come to your office. I'd like to meet about your marketing presentation and see how you'd market our house. And they come in and we list it. It's very, we make it very easy for our agents to make a lot of money. They just have to service our clients well. Well, Amanda, you've got all these people running around. You've got a big team. You've been growing the big team. A lot of people are going to be asking the question, are you profitable? We are profitable. I am really happy looking at our profits lately. This sounds terrible, but for me, it's my personality. I just need to keep driving, 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 and I'm never happy, and I feel like we're always broke. And I know that's not a true statement. We were, after our first year, you know, it was a scary year when we went open independent, especially not being here very long at that point in time. And after a year and a half, this is, again, Travis being so on top of our accounting side and our systems and helping me see where was the best place for us to cut marketing or where I could go ahead and and charge after our next marketing outreach, that after a year and a half, we were a free and clear company. And now that we, he just pulled me back in to look at our numbers again as we're growing and we'd like to take that. We have so many things that are about to happen, as I keep saying, of, of our next step. We're at that point. We've grown our, we've beefed up our company, our staff, and our agents to this point so that we can have another big growth at the end of this year with some more changes we want to do. And Travis pulled me in for a meeting along with Bob about our P&Ls. And I got to say, I am so happy we made the decision to open this company, to start in real estate, to be a team, to get coaching, go independent, and just grow this team. It's the best decisions we've ever made in our life, and we are very profitable. And so is what is also important. Every one of my agents is very profitable. My staff is very happy. They understand their own budgets. They're very happy. I just had to give some tax advice to one of my agents today because she looks like she's going to be making 160,000 this year. That's the most money she's ever made. And I was excited when I realized oh my gosh, you're making 160000 and you're only one of my agents. We're having a good year. We're having a real good year. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what your profit margin is as a percentage of your revenues? So not the absolute dollars, but as a percent of revenue? Travis does know that off the top of his head, of course. That is something he keeps in his mind constantly, and he did just talk to me about those numbers. I want to say that we are roughly at for expenses, let me, I could say that is our expense ratios are about 30 to 35 percent. And so our profits look very nice. Does that expense ratio include the commissions that you pay out to your buyer agents and your listing partners? I have to summarize that when we're talking about expenses, expenses to me would not be our agents' commissions. That would only be our staff and what it takes for us to run the company. You know, our marketing expenses and our staff and payroll. Well, because Travis and I are also on payroll. So I, I believe that 35% is only for our expenses. I do not believe that they, they include the commissions of the agents. Our agents' commissions can be presumed to be 40% roughly, since we are 35 to 45% is our agents. So then that'd be an additional 40% on average would be agent commissions. Amanda, I, I understand that you're doing some national coaching. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. I have been asked by Bob Corcoran to 
coach with his group of Corcoran Coaching and Consulting. It's a top national firm. Most of the top leading agents have heard of Corcoran Coaching and Consulting because they either have used or are currently using his services and the services of one of his coaches. It's phenomenal. I I really wish I would have known about him earlier. I started with him as soon as I heard about him, so it's I couldn't have started any earlier. But when I was here uh, in Huntsville, again, not knowing anyone and just starting my team, I was doing what I could to learn from other people. As I said in the very beginning, I was constantly listening to tapes, and I heard about Star Power. And in doing so, I started to be able to afford to actually now start going to conferences rather than listening to people's old CDs or tapes I had borrowed. And I had met this great woman named Lisa Burridge, and she runs an incredible team. She's in Casper, Wyoming. She pretty much owns the state. And she said when I met her, she she was so nice. She offered me so much advice. She answered all of my questions, was so patient with me. And she said, you know what, Amanda? I see something in you, and you've got great things that are about to happen, but you need somebody who can rein it all in and help you put it out there rather than just going crazy like you are all over the place. And that's me. That is me in a nutshell. (laughs) And she said, and I'm coached by Bob Corcoran, and she said, I really think you need to call and talk to him. And I said, okay, fantastic. I'll call him. So I called him, and... Long story short, it was it, we went back and forth, but I did start with him pretty quickly after talking with him, and he helped us take an, a view of our company. And, and I had used other coaches uh, just that year previous. I'd gone through two. And so with him, I was expecting kind of the same thing. Somebody I would come in, use, eat him up, and after six months or so, I'd move on to the next one. And that was not the case. He took a month getting to know me, getting to know my business, getting to know the team members on my team, even though it's just Candy and Travis, getting to know them. And um, and I take that back. Christian actually was with me as well, and she's still with me today also. So he got to know my team, know my P&L, which <laughs> didn't have one. Uh, we got to know our marketing, which I was not keeping track of. He asked me so many questions and made me start to form my business as a business and look at it as a CEO and then said, now I'm going to guide you in the right path of getting there. He, he helped me spell out what my vision and goal was, and then he created a plan for us to move forward and get there together. And every year, it's something different. I'm still being coached by Bob Corcoran, and it's because there's always a next level. There's always something for me to learn. There's always something to change and something I need to, I need to be held accountable. To take all this a step back now, about a year and a half ago, Bob said, Amanda, you implement so fast. You take everything and run with it, and your team is growing phenomenally. And we were being asked a lot at that point in time to come and speak to different groups because of our retainment. We have such a, a strong level of retainment with our team. As I said, Candy is still with me. She was my very first employee. She was the only team member besides me and Travis. And then uh, Christian was my first buyer agent. Jessica is my second buyer agent. And we've just grown from there. They're all still here. We don't have people who leave. We have a very strenuous interview process. and But we're, we're slow to hire. We're quick to fire. So if they don't make it in the first 60 days, they're gone. People who stick out after 60 days, they're here for their lifers. So he said, I, you need to start coaching specific people now that he, <laughs> he set me up for this. He helped me create my schedule in such a fantastic way 
that I was really only working 30 hours a week while we were growing our company. And as I said, that was a year and a half ago. So we were well into being independent. We were a debt-free company. I was enjoying life, spending more time with my daughters. I was no longer, I'd gotten to a point where I was ready to be burnt out. I was no longer feeling that. We were vacationing at least 10 times a year. It was fantastic. And then he said, you know what, you've got the time now. So I think you need to start coaching. And he said, just start with a small group, uh, maybe just two or three people, and just be the specialist CEO coach. Because Bob has general coaches and he has specialty coaches. And I said, I say Bob all the time, but Corcoran Coaching and Consulting has specialty coaches. And he said, I want you to be the specialty coach for the CEO coaches. And I said, okay, that that sounds nice. I'll do that. It's been phenomenal. I mean, I can't tell you what another new passion that has put inside me to be so excited helping these teams that I can see, oh my gosh, I was like that. And I'm now looking at their P&Ls and I'm looking at their marketing pieces and I'm looking at their team structure and helping them reposition. And one team, I just helped that in two months, we were able to save them $20,000 in expenses a month. I mean, who can't get excited over that? I was more excited than they were. And that was, I was like, are you kidding me? Guess what we just saved? Do you realize what we just did? And they're, I'm just, I get so excited. I get so excited with each one of these people. And I'm, I'm only taking a very limited, small group of people because my focus is still my team. However, when my, t- my time is scheduled for my clients, my coaching clients, I'm 100% there with my coaching clients. So, it's been fantastic coaching for Bob, the people he has me coaching and advising and working them through the growth of their, of them becoming a CEO is so exciting. And in turn, it makes me better with my team as well. Since I started coaching for Bob a year and a half ago, we had probably, it was only, well, I don't say probably, it was an 11% growth. So it was probably me being a little more lazy and lax on my team. And then the, the year that I went to coaching, Everything that I was telling them to do, I would, as soon as I hang up the phone, I go, you know what? I haven't told my buyer agents in a long time to do that. I better go back and check on them. And now we had a 27% growth the very next year because I was back on top. I was back in telling them what they should be doing, what I should have been telling them before, but I just got lax and lazy. And now I had the new excitement of I'm telling these other people what they should be telling their team members to do. And I'm certainly going to continue to do what I'm preaching for other people to do. (laughs) So it's made me be a better team leader. It's that old adage that if you want to learn something well, teach it to someone. Yes, (laughs) it's very, very true. Amanda, if somebody wanted to be coached by you, is there uh, something that they should do to make that happen? Absolutely. They can give uh, Corcoran Coaching and Consulting a call. And their phone number is 1-800-957-8353. Or they can go to CorcoranCoaching.com and just reach them there. And they will be able to, they've got salespeople there. And that's what they're there to do and help. Because as I was saying with Corcoran Coaching and Consulting, they've got both general coaches that will help people at each level. Or they've got specialty coaches that can help you just get something done that you need to done get done, whether you want to specialize in property management and just open that division, or if you're into REO, or if you're wanting to be the CEO of your company, because that's what I, I focus in, then 
they set you up with that coach and it's, they really listen to your needs just like we want to do as, as agents and leading our team. We want to be there to help people where their need is and that's what they do. Amanda, what drives you? For me, it is the excitement of helping each one on our team or each person that I'm coaching achieve goals. It's, it's gotten past that point of me paying the bills. Now I'm pretty happy. I don't really have that many bills and I'm, I can take my girls where I want to take them. That's pretty cool. And it's, it's really exciting to see their faces and to give them those experiences. But the day to day, the reason I show up and am excited to show up every day, it's to, to have that conversation with my team member of, Oh my gosh, we're going to be making 160,000 this year. What are some of the people I need to meet with now to set myself for some maybe tax safety (laughs) issues? Or it's having that conversation with my team member about, you know, she's really excited. She's making the most money she has, and it's only 40000 this year. She's able to pay her bills, but she doesn't know what it's going to take to get to that next level. She really wants to maybe find the next passion or the next drive in her life and helping her see through that. Or whether it's a coaching group that I'm, I'm talking to this firm and they're saying we're we're starting to feel burnout and like we've hit a plateau. What do we need to do next? Why why have we hit this? And helping them revalue and reassess it and hearing from them that, oh my gosh, I've got my marriage back, my son knows my name again, and I'm just, you know, so thrilled and happy we've got our, a team culture back where not everybody is griping and complaining and everybody's back on top. Those are the things that are now what drives me. It it's helping other people hit their goals. Amanda, why have you been so successful? I've been asked that a lot, and my answer then was consistency, and I still believe that's what it was before. The reason I was successful in the early days before I had a team was consistency. I did the same thing every day, day in, day out, and I didn't stop, and I didn't believe in failure. I just knew if, if I had to take a risk, I'm the best thing I could bet on because I will not fail. Then as my team grew, it was getting other people that are smarter than me or of like mind around me and doing what I could to encourage them, teach them, share with them what I could and have them make up for my where I was weak or where I lacked. And so that became the next level of growth was getting a team that had a great culture. We trusted each other. They knew I had their back and I knew they had my back so we could work together and moving forward. And then from there, it's just being honest and real with people. It comes down to whatever your ethics are. If some people, I see some people who are just not the type of person I wanted to be associated with as I was growing. I saw, yes, they're above me in success now, but I don't want to be that. They don't seem happy. I don't think I would feel good in my heart and my gut going home and sleeping at night if I became that person. And I avoided them. And that somehow was the right direction because we didn't just pass them. We skyrocketed past them. It was a catapult of doing goodwill with the community, serving people with the servant's heart, and helping people sincerely and fessing up. If you make a mistake, hey, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. What can I do to make up for it? I just feel like I get a much better return than being fake and just 
thing, hiding mistakes and, and the other things that I had seen and not to put anyone down. That's just not me. That's not the way I want to live. And I feel that's really what I'm hearing from my team of why they stay because I'll hear it from other agents who want to recruit them or they'll be dogging the company at the closing and, and I don't hear about it too often. I'll usually hear about it at a retreat when they actually will stand up and share and say, you know what? I love this company. I cannot wait to keep growing and seeing the next level and the future of this company. A lot of them said I came here and thought I would just put in a year and guess what? I'm not ever planning to leave. And if I left, my spouse would probably get upset with me because the whole family is part of our team. And that's what, that's what our, our growth and why we're successful now is because we have such a strong unit and such a strong family in our team. Amanda, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? I would tell them that they really need to create a database of some sort so that they have a system to put people in and a reminder set up that they can use. And it doesn't have to be expensive. Google has a lot of free applications right now that you can use. As I mentioned before, I use Google Drive and it is phenomenal. I wish they had Google Calendar back when I had started. They did not. I feel so old now. But for me, it was Top Producer. Top Producer at that time was, it was a downloadable version and it was fairly economical for me, but it was a great system for me to have a database and a reminder, you know, pop-up reminders that I could put in there so I could keep communication. That's where I see people fall. It's that lack of consistency and they they forget a piece of paper or you write somebody down and you lose it or forget to call them back and that is disappointing to people and it catches up with you. So having some kind of database system to help you start your core group of people as you grow. Do you think that top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Absolutely. I would have loved to have heard this when I started out. In fact, I was searching for things like this when I started out. It was only on cassette tape, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Amanda, we've come to the end of our interview. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up? This is fantastic, Mike. Thank you for putting it together, and thank you for making this a resource where agents can get together, share, and learn from each other and And I think this is awesome. I hope a lot of people do get something out of this. I hope that I was able to help. Well, Amanda, you did help us see a vision of possibilities. You operate a big, growing team, yet you maintain your focus with small, dedicated departments. You have transitioned from doing everything yourself to a fully functioning operation that can run without you and allow you to take 10 vacations per year. And now, you're sharing your hard-earned knowledge and giving back by coaching your team members and other team leaders. I can't wait to see what the future holds. Thank you again for being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 190 homes last year in his seventh year in the business. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. 
If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.